Hello there! You are listening to At The Well, the bi-monthly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And we are delighted to join us for this week's discussion. Gentlemen, we braved the windstorm to be back in the booth. How are we feeling today? <laughs> Warm, happy, cozy. This has been great so far, recording with you all in person and not over Zoom. Yes. Yes. It's absolutely fantastic. We've made it. Yeah, it's pretty great pretty great i'm i'm more comfortable than y'all because i'm sitting three feet away from my bed i'm not laying down in my bed listeners when you don't hear charles because one of us is talking he's laying down, <laughs> eyes closed just waiting for us to Napping. give a signal <laughs> all right so we we've been having a lot of fun and learning a lot from our seventh season here at the well wandering but not lost um and we're gonna get right into that um pretty shortly but first we have our question of the week as always, if you'd like to submit a question for this segment, you can email us anytime at threeguysatthewell at gmail.com. That's the number three, then guys at the well, all one word, and lowercase at gmail.com. And so this question is just, you know, we make, uh, we often mention how much we like movies on the show. It's a whole theme of something we do on our Patreon, Jesus in the Movies. Become a patron if you want to hear more of that. Um, so I was just curious, what is the most recent movie you guys have seen and what did you think of it? Eli, why don't you, you lead us off? I know you have many things to say uh-huh. about this film. So the reason why Jarrell is being cheeky is because is because I recently saw... The most recent movie I saw was The Eternals, which I have quite a few opinions about. How many exactly? I have a 24-point 24. thesis on why I think it was not a good movie. Um, because it wasn't. And that's just an opinion, right? And you all can disagree with me, but it's fine to be wrong. And, <laughs> and I just, yeah, uh, um, yep. We'll so we'll save the the full review for a different Patreon exclusive. What's funny is that Jerome knows the details of my twenty four point. It's 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 an, it's very fun to listen to. <laughs> Charles has yet to hear it. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure I he has a time for it. So. Oh, oh, okay. watch oh, it. oh, yeah. See the movie so you can, uh, yeah. Yeah, don't go into it sleepy. It's uh, it drags a bit in the middle. <laughs> I also it's, fall asleep on those movies. Uh, it's so it's on Disney Plus, so yeah, I, it's on my little... watch list. Okay, cool, cool, cool. When you get time, you got two babies. You got two babies, and so many more. I guess worthy movies. Yeah, of to course. Spend my time on. <laughs> Hopefully, your last movie was great. What would you, what was your last movie that you watched? I can't remember. There's three that I've watched recently. I don't remember what order. So I. Um, Chelsea and I have watched recently Don't Look Up and Encanto. Mm, um, and then I watched Social Dilemma. Um, so I don't know which one uh, I did. But um, uh, Social Dilemma is a fascinating documentary about social media. Mm. And I would encourage people to watch it um, because it's very enlightening. And social media is scary. Yes. Um, don't Look Up. It was interesting. Uh, it's nominated for uh, the best picture. I don't think it should win. It's a great social commentary. I don't know how good it is as a movie. Mm. Um, I wasn't the biggest fan, which is sad because I like the director and Leo's great in it and Jennifer Lawrence is good in it. Um, so, but it was entertaining, I guess. Mm. And Encanto is just amazing. Encanto is fantastic. Uh, our boy Lynn is Lynn. amazing. And um, yeah. Nice. As a courtesy and uh, because we don't want to get sued we're not going to sing any of the Encanto songs because no, no. they're probably already stuck in your heads right. so and our uh, we got our boy Lynn and our girl um, Stephanie uh, Beatrice Stephanie Beatrice nine 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 ah uh, yes yes Encanto is fantastic <laughs> um 
I, I think I think there's been a movie since then, but it's one that came to mind because I recently started watching Peacemaker with our friend Keenan. Mm. Um, but I watched the new Suicide Squad movie. The first Suicide Squad movie is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> this one is not that, but it's still not enjoyable. <laughs> um, there are some amazing... The John Cena is really good in it. Yes. I'm biased because I like John Cena a lot. Margot Robbie's great again. Yes. Idris Elba's good. Uh, there are a couple actors and actresses whose name I, I don't know, but it's 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 funny because it's not nearly as bad as the first one, but it is good for the same reasons. It's like standout performances. Yeah. Everything else falls a bit flat. It's also very gory, and I don't. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I can deal with a reasonable amount of violence in movies like action movies and things like that. I don't do gore very well, so there are scenes that are just very unpleasant. Yeah. Um. So I I was not a fan. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Peacemaker. On HBO Max, thank you, Keenan. Um, is very good. Again, there's a bit of violence in language, but it's it's really funny. John Cena is very funny. You know, yeah. when you have to think about the plot of a movie disintegrating yeah. while you're watching it, it's not a great film. Yeah, and it's like it doesn't fall apart as is immediately as the first one or the Eternals or the Eternals. <laughs> <laughs> Just weave that in. <laughs> Yeah, it's <laughs> you were you were building towards that. I felt it coming. I hope, I hope that there are more just shoehorned in Eternals bashing in this episode. Gotcha. Like you find oh, I gotcha. way. <laughs> He's gonna weave his twenty four points in as we talk about <laughs> justice for the oppressed and the poor, right. and those who have watched Eternals. <laughs> we need justice most of all. Film goers. I oh we're never gonna get sponsored by Disney Plus is what this means. That's when in, in like three episodes we've like completely lost chance of getting sponsored by Apple, <laughs> Disney Plus. It's fine. We don't need the big wigs. We'll t- we'll take we'll take Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man. Well, like to get to Eli's twenty four points as well as the passage. Um today Episode 50, gentlemen. Like, official episode 50. We've done more than that, but it's a milestone nonetheless. We're really happy about it. Are we pros yet? Are we pros? Maybe a hundredth episode. There's parts of what I'm about to read that I wrote this morning, so I don't think so. (laughs) I'm not a pro. You're holding a handhold mic. (laughs) We are not pros yet. We are huddled around a desk in a living room. In a bedroom. In a bedroom, (laughs) thank you. You know, not pros, but we're scrappy. Yeah, we're scrappy, yep. and we make do with what we've got. <laughs> when we are pros, we'll let we'll let you guys know. <laughs> so we'll be reading from uh, several different passages that are built around a similar theme. So this will be Exodus chapter twenty-two, verses twenty-one to twenty-five, Exodus twenty-three, verses two to three and six to nine, and Leviticus chapter nineteen, verses nine and ten. If you have your Bibles and you aren't driving. You can start turning there now while I set the scene. It's hard to shake the feeling of helplessness. In Egypt, we were well acquainted with poverty as we toiled endlessly to make our masters rich. Treated as property for generations, we became too familiar with injustices as our dignity was treated as a secondary concern to the wishes of our captors. We understand what it feels like to be forgotten by society. To live in a constant state of pain and worry because the world around you carries on no matter what you have to carry. Thankfully, this God who led us out of Egypt saw us in those moments and inserted himself into them to win us our freedom. Now, he commands that we take the initiative 
for the helpless in our midst. From Exodus 22. You shall neither mistreat a stranger nor oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If you afflict them in any way and they cry at all to me, I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will become hot and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives shall be widows and your children fatherless. If you lend money to any of my people who are poor among you, you shall not be like a money lender to him. You shall not charge him interest. You shall not follow a crowd to do evil, nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after many to pervert justice. You shall not show partiality to a poor man in his dispute. You shall not pervert the judgment of your poor in his dispute. Keep yourself far from a false matter. Do not kill the innocent and righteous, for I will not justify the wicked. And you shall take no bribe, for a bribe blinds discerning and perverts the words of the righteous. Also, you shall not oppress a stranger, for you know the heart of a stranger, because you were strangers in the land of Egypt. From Leviticus 19. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. And you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. So gentlemen, general thoughts here, but also what about these verses? Um, what do these verses tell us about the character of God as it pertains to the vulnerable, the stranger, the poor, and the oppressed? I mean, I think high level, big picture, um, when you are vulnerable, um, when you are oppressed when you're disenfranchised god is for you Mm -hmm. right your stat your circumstance is not because god is somehow uh he's not it's not because he dislikes you or because you're being punished um i think the zoomed in low level picture is that um your practical needs will be met by god in some way shape or form Mm -hmm. um god is not simply uh, this arbitrary amorphous thing that like wants you to believe in platitudes and that's how you'll get to the end Mm -hmm. salvation and your connection to god has uh, practical implications for how your life will will be. Mm, I like that. I like that a lot. Couldn't said it. Whoa! What am I saying? <laughs> Couldn't say it better than myself. <laughs> I, I like that that note in the end of um, God cares about the practical matters of your life. Um, as we'll get into this um, in a further question, but I think that it's easy to, you know, we just came off of an episode talking about addressing needs and maybe the things aren't really needs it's easy sometimes to uh come at very real needs in society and in matters of social justice in particular from a perspective oh well you know everyone just needs jesus and it's like well yes but you know the implications of recognizing that uh mean that there are practical needs that we meet meet among us and so like god doesn't just say here ah you know just care about the poor generally. Yeah. Um, he attaches it to explicit action. Yeah. Um, and says like, you know, don't try to get over on someone who's poor and make yourself rich. Like when you glean a field, leave some for the people in your midst who um, are poor. And so I think that it reveals that to, to your point, Eli, I, God is very close to us in our moments of, and just people in general who, who are oppressed or downtrodden, but also meets us, meets us and commands his people with very practical action. Like he's not just giving us empty. Um, oh yeah. Like the Jesus is sufficient, but the Lord also shows more of who he is by meeting those, his people in those moments with things that they do need. And you know, the church is then called to do likewise. And I think 
uh, your point of like people need Jesus, so like absolutely. But there's this little thing called Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You better get into it, <laughs> right? Like, and people might not be ready to be at a point to be preach the gospel yeah. if they're homeless, if they're mm. hungry, yeah. if they don't have clothes, if they're an alien in a in a foreign land, mm-hmm. and everything that was in these scripture passages are addressing one of the base needs that you need as a human in order to achieve Mm. fulfillment. Now we know that fulfillment comes through Jesus Christ, but if you are so cold on Mm. a windy day, like today, you're not concerned about like someone preaching the gospel to you. I'm concerned about where I'm going to sleep tonight. Um, And that's where the church comes in. Mm -hmm. And I think this passage points to the fact that, that Jesus, our God is concerned with those needs. Yeah. Even if you're an alien um, in a foreign land, God says to the Israelites, you will provide yeah. for those people because mm-hmm. there's something important about that need. Yeah. And there's something uh, that displays the affection and love that that God has for his kids mm-hmm. that comes out through the meeting of those needs. Um, and so I was asking myself a question like, who are the strangers and how do we care for them? Mm. And sometimes it's not the people that are in our tribe. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not the, it's not necessarily people in our church. It's those, those people who are, who we would say like, those are strangers yeah. to us yeah. or those are the foreigners to us. Mm-hmm. Those are the people that don't look like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet God called the Israelites to care for those people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How much more? I'm part of God's tribe now. Yeah. And uh, our tribe is actually God's kids. We're yeah. all God's kids. Yeah. And we, who are the strangers? Well, it could be the person that we're kind of disenfranchising that we're ignoring. Yeah. Um, the poor and oppressed often are, uh, we often look at them as strangers. Mm-hmm. We often look at them as not part of the family, not part of our tribe. Mm-hmm. And yet those are the, the people, uh, those are the kids that the Lord is most concerned with yeah. and calls us to meet their base needs and, and then, and use that. Well, that in itself is evangelism. That in itself yeah. is outreach. Yeah. That in itself is proclaiming the gospel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just not necessarily with words. Right. Yeah. Um, but then you might be able to leverage the relationship and the love that you show to bring someone to Christ. Right. Yeah. But let's not forget about the, the, the physical and yeah. tangible needs, right. practical needs of someone. Yeah. I think in being a part of the body of Christ, you make, like, we're, Jesus, our head, actually uh, gives us the command to function as his body. And so when we, as the church, function as his body, function as Jesus would in the situation, when we would provide for somebody and we meet their practical needs, we're actually showing the sufficiency of God to meet us where we are. Mm-hmm. So I think I love what you said, Charles. Um, in the Exodus verse that you uh, give us, Jarrell, in Exodus 22, verse 25, if you lend money to any of my people who are poor among you, mm-hmm. who are poor among you, like, I think a lot of times we think that the church is supposed to look a, a certain kind of way. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it wasn't until I joined Solid Rock Church um, that I actually met a homeless person in a church. Mm. I've you rarely ever see someone who is struggling with uh, financial insecurity in your church. Mm. Like 
who's being helped or supported by the people standing next to them as their brothers and sisters. And so sometimes it can be uh, weird to have someone who is at a really critical point of need in their life stand next to you and worship the same God as you. And we're just thinking like, oh, everybody who's... We're, we're used to very homogenous kinds of churches, not mm-hmm. just race-based, but also like financially homogenous. Mm-hmm. And it's like people people who are of a certain income or who, who, who are in need much more often than we're used to are not simply people to be served. They're also brothers and sisters. Mm. And sometimes there's a little bit of like gatekeeping that goes on with feeling unco- I'm uncomfortable with this kind of person. Therefore, I'm not going to let them in. But we'll serve you as long as you stay out there. Mm. We'll give you things as long as you don't come close. You're a little off-putting. You're a little ugly. You stink. You do whatever else. But I, I don't want to... I, I don't really want to interact with you. It's like... That is handing somebody money, but not actually checking in on them or praying for them or do or mm-hmm. or doing anything else to actually meet. Like, how much? How important is a conversation? Mm-hmm. How important is actually a, is a hug? How important is love and affection? Like, I I think we make God look deficient and unloving when His children mm-hmm. aren't about His agenda. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus put Himself at the lowest strata of society when he came here and that shows that god is for us in in our lowest and most and seemingly most unapproachable state yeah um yeah yeah it's you know in that i've just i'm reading in the gospel of luke and i've just read about how when Jesus goes to his own town to yeah. preach this backwater city, yeah. and they're like, "Who are you?" Yeah. Um, and it, it, that's just too—it's uh, just uh, kind of eye-opening. But also this thought of—I uh, mean, I love the story of the, the homeless man in your church because he's a part of your church. Yeah. He's a member of the church, and that's like a level above what most people, like a church, would uh, you know go and serve the homeless, sure. which is good. Which yeah, is like, good. do it. absolutely do it. But oftentimes that's. Um, we can look at people at a different social and economic status, a different income level, a different race, whatever, and say, that's a stranger to me. Mm -hmm. And, but just because someone's a stranger does not mean injustice is justified. Right. Mm. Right. Um, you know, Jesus in his ministry, to your point, uh, went to those who were unjust according to his religion. Mm -hmm. And those are the people that he talked with conversed with loved mm-hmm. and ministered to uh because the people who should have been non-strangers to him rejected him yeah yeah it's um i think it's a good well i guess i'll start with the the idea of you know the character of god is revealed in this is a god who's we've said multiple times is near to the wanderer and like provides in that like uh the title of this episode at least the working title uh, is the god who sees and that's taken directly from the description that God gives of himself to Hagar in Genesis. Mm. Genesis. Um, Hagar was Abram's maidservant mm. who he got pregnant because he didn't think he'd get pregnant with Sarah. And then once she had the baby and then Sarah had a baby, was cast out because Sarah was jealous of Hagar. Um, so there's this woman uh, who, of no real stature in society mm. at all, has this kid that is not really being cared for anymore at all um, because uh, this... God's family that was supposed to be faithful to the Lord made a bad de- made a decision to not be, and now she's kind of bearing the brunt of it. And the Lord like reveals Himself to Hagar, um, and talk and says very like explicitly like I'm going to like meet you where you are. I'm going to take care of your child. Like I am El Roy, 
the God who sees. Mm. Um, and I think for me, that's been a huge, something I've come back to in moments or in general issues where like, I don't feel seen or where I um, am trying to understand or empathize with people who don't feel seen or just societal issues that aren't seen well by the church. Um, and it's been, a, I, I guess I want to start with that because like seeing God as that is not a faraway God who makes his home, as we've said, in big, uh, in the institutions of like uh, churches, but in the people gives me a sense of comfort that he sees me in those dark moments when no one else seems to. And I think that that is anchoring in seasons of deconstruction, but also um, in just the way that we see the Lord. But in regard to both your points about the the poor among us and what does that mean, I think it's a good barometer of our hearts as people and the health and faithfulness of the bodies that we are a part of. Because, like, I've, I've been convicted in, like, uh, reading through the Old Testament of just how often stuff like this comes up. Like, how often the Lord specifically speaks into caring for the poor. And I, I'm really uh, struck with the dissonance there because sometimes it feels like care for the poor, even in our churches, just feels like an add-on where it's like, we got all this other stuff. Oh, and we care for the poor. And it's like, but that's so fundamental to the way that the Lord formed Israel during this 40 years of wandering. It's not something that he was like, oh, and this would be cool. It's something that he reinforces over and over and over and over again. And in the New Testament, reinforces over and over and over again. But it's kind of like, I don't know if you guys feel this way. I feel like it's often like, even in um, Christian culture, it's kind of a pat on the back. And like, oh, look at us. We're doing a great job. As opposed to, we're doing what God has been very clear in scripture we need to be doing. Yeah. It's, it's not like a basic competence thing. Right. It's a, this is an above and beyond thing. And I think we've got those two things flipped. Yeah. And, and there's something in the way that the Lord speaks about the poor that like we need to adopt in the way that he spoke about the poor and oppressed among us. And so I think it's a good barometer for our hearts of mm-hmm. like, and it can look different. You know, service of the poor could look like, um, preparing meals for people. It could look like working with an organization that does it well. It could look like volunteering with your church. But I think, I know for Sandy and I and our family, it's something that we've begun to start discerning. Well, what does that look like for us? But it should be something that is like a test of our hearts of like, how do we, how do I personally see serving the poor? Do I see it as like extra credit or do I see it as like baseline discipleship? Because it's, that's how God talks about it. And so if that doesn't align with the way that I think about it, there is a hardness of my heart that needs that I need the Lord to help shift and to help break apart. Um, and with that, I think it also should be a barometer for the way we uh, hold our churches accountable, for the way we hold our communities accountable. If we're not actually a part of a body that does that, well, then that is also something that's kind of being neglected um, that the Lord makes very clear shouldn't be. And so it should be something where I'll, I'll pause and get back to this because I think that it's something that um, the church has ceded a lot of ground on mm-hmm. and it's kind of let the secular world deal with the yeah. poor and oppressed among yeah. us when that's not actually, that's our job. Yeah. And we've lost a lot of uh, credibility and authority because we've ceded the idea of social justice to something that is like not, ha- that doesn't have to do with the church when it has everything to do with the church. Yeah, yeah I'm so happy that you started talking about that, Jarrell, because I wanted to, I was... I want to follow up with that very point that if you're wandering in a phase where you're trying to figure out the nuance of faith and trying to figure out God's character in, in this sea of uh, 
socio-political rhetoric that yeah. seems to be floating around the church and filling it, um, then maybe one of the barometers, speaking of the word that you use, just like, if you're looking for a church, let that be the barometer. Do I see the character of God? Rather than like looking through the checklist that you would check off, mm. do I see God here? Like review scripture, say, all right, here is what God has said about himself. I trust what God has said about himself. Now I need to go find a place where God is present because there are some churches that are a, a, a brood of vipers. Mm-hmm. And, and that is just the unfortunate truth that there is, there are places where the Holy Spirit is not abiding, but the places where he is God, God's fruit is evident. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that you can always trust. Like, okay, where I came from may not have been it, mm-hmm. but where, I, where I can join, where I can become, where I can be involved and where I can grow. I, I see that in this newer place. And so yeah. don't give up on God's character just because you didn't see it at a particular church. Mm. Look for God. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so important. And just kind of leaning into this notion of like what our responsibility as disciples is. Um, Go ahead. And like this idea, like, um, as I kind of mentioned, sometimes the idea, often the idea of social justice is kind of written off as like, well, that's a political term. That's a secular term. And it's like, well, no, it's how... God told the Israelites to live. It's how Jesus lived and did his ministry. And so I think that there should be, you know, if you're listening and you're deconstructing between churches or bodies of believers, absolutely, Eli, to your point, get acquainted with the character of God in scripture and then look for it. But if you are especially um, someone in a position of authority in a body of believers, recognize that we do have a responsibility to the people around us. And when we don't, speak into areas of not even like social injustice when we don't uh make care for the poor and the stranger among us integral to our ministries we are ceding that to the secular world to figure out as you know whatever seems right at the time and like we don't if god is who he says he is then Mm. there's a certain amount of uh grace and strength that we should take into that knowing that like we serve a god who cares for the oppressed we serve Mm. a god who cares for the poor so we should like churches should set the standard for what that looks like um it's it's one thing i love about um the church i go to now uh shout out living hope church um they are and our pastors even said like they have since the time they've been there cultivated a really great reputation in their community because of the way that they care for the poor and because of the way that they have gone out to people and brought people in and how that's been a focus even when they didn't have a lot of resources to do it. But mm-hmm. now there are so many people who, like a pastor recently, is a certain entire sermon that really convicted me. He said, like, I, I hope that we're leading our church in a way that if we somehow, like the next tomorrow, disappeared, mm-hmm. we would be missed. Not just because, like, oh, these are just people in the neighborhood, but because the the tangible way that we care for the people among us would be missed in kind of the sense that they're filling a need that we're biblically called to fill. Um, and yeah, I think that that is our responsibility as churches. It's not um, to just kind of, like you said, Charles, like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's not an empty rhetoric that says, well, Jesus is Jesus. So we're good. It's actually recognized that ta- the modeling who God is, is to take initiative for the people without resource, for the people without a voice, for the people without agency. And if we're not doing that, it's not like neglecting to do extra credit. It's neglecting to like live fundamentally in the way that God commanded his people to live. Mm, amen. Everything you're saying is triggering me to think about Romans 2.24 as it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. 
Paul, when he wrote this to the church in Rome, was writing to the Jews because at the time they were not living in a way that exemplified what God called them to. And so because of that, Gentiles were mocking the God that the Jews served. I think much of that can be carried into what is happening, where the culture is now active. Now, granted, the world is going to think that the gospel is foolish because the world is led by is is led astray by sin. Is like there's a, a slavery to sin aspect to this mm-hmm. that I don't want to overshadow. But I also believe that the church makes God look deficient yeah. in the ways in which it it fails to function in the world well. Yeah. Um, and so like I believe that that Romans two twenty four still applies very much in in the way that the church um, that she does not uh, function well um as a, as a whole um but i also think last episode was was called daily bread right or our something around bread, yeah. the, our daily bread and and just the, the picture of I, I i had a sense or a word a few weeks back sometimes god's daily bread can feel more like crumbs than a loaf mm. and that happens because um was one of the reasons that that happens at least for me as i was experiencing experiencing it is because I a need that I had that the church could have met mm. was not fulfilling it, mm. um, and I'm not saying that about my local church. I'm saying about the about the body that was supporting me at the time. Mm. And like, if we're Christ's body, we're called to act according to His agenda. We help God become slightly more visible. Like yeah. He's invisible. Shocker. I don't know who, did, like, but you know what I'm saying? But like, we're not the Corinthians. Like we're Christ's ambassadors of though God was making his appeal through. Yes. Us. And like that matters. And yeah. I, I just don't think that we think our actions matter enough or that we're somehow like our agenda is supposed to be God's agenda. We're supposed to be making things manifest. He is called us to be partners with him. We're supposed to be putting on the yoke that he has sharing that with him. And I just think we're, we don't want to labor as hard as we should be. Mm. We don't want to love as radically as we're called to. We want to just be comfortable in the churches and sort of hunger down until he shows up. Well, maybe he's not going to show up until we start getting to work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, he's not going to come, but like, we're, what, what am I going to come back for? You think I'm going to rapture you? Are <laughs> <laughs> <While> you chilling? <laughs> I mean, God forbid, like, sometimes there are days where I see the way the church functions and I'm just like, Lord, don't make haste. Like, be, pa- be patient with us stay there <laughs> and there are also days where i have that for myself too like yeah. there are days where like lord i'm falling short and i see it please wait yeah. <laughs> please stay your hand and he is patient and I, that actually gets to something i, I wanted to say uh, maybe to wrap us up i don't know but like there's the individual and the corporate there's yeah. an individual member of the body and the corporate body of christ yeah. um and i think we need to be patient with ourselves right like and and recognize that this call um doesn't necessarily need to be grandiose. Mm. Um, You know, I think there's a a fair number of um, homeless people or people of need in this area. Mm. And something that Chelsea and I have been thinking about for years, really, um, that was inspired by uh, a a woman that most of us know, Sister Judy. Uh, And it's just, uh, it can be so small thing to like... um, to have a conversation with someone at the side of the road um, who's holding a sign. Uh, we Chelsea went to Costco and bought this huge box of Nature Valley granola bars, and we have two huge Ziploc bags in each of our cars. And every time we pass someone, 
we just hand them a granola bar. Yeah. Um, and as simple, I mean, it's, it could be as simple as the thinking, well, how can I be that? How can I be an appeal to Christ? The poor among the you. poor among us, like mm-hmm. the poor they see every day. Mm-hmm. And it's something as simple as handling them a granola bar. Mm-hmm. And I hope that they're blessed by that. Yeah. Um, I don't have a lot of money, mm-hmm. but I have enough money to buy yeah. a box of granola bars and hand it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so re- trying to figure out what, you know, how can I be that small appeal to Christ mm-hmm. um, and recognizing that I am broken and um, I'm not going to be good to the stranger every time, yeah. um, but making, recognizing that this is fundamentally who Christ was and mm-hmm. I need to be that as well. And then also in corporately, I think you guys are onto something. There is something broken about the body of Christ and uh, the institutions within the body of Christ, the various church institutions. Um, but also recognize that like, this is always going to be the case. And I think I yeah, said yeah, this, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the body of Christ and churches are always going to be broken. Um, and there's always going to be ways that we can do better yeah. and that an institution will be better. But to your point, Eli, where is Christ exemplified? Where are they making an effort? Mm-hmm. Uh, no one's going to be perfect. No church is going to be perfect. But are they attempting? Are they making right. an effort? Um, and, and to say like, we're not ragging on yeah, the, yeah. the corporate body of Christ. You know, generally there is an issue. There's a problem that needs to be solved. But there are churches, there are men and women mm-hmm. that are making an effort through, despite their brokenness and despite the brokenness of the church. And that's who we want to be supporting. That's where we want to be aligned with because it's the fundamental identity mm-hmm. of of, of the Lord's mission and who Amen. God is Amen. who seeks and saves the lost and like goes out to them. Yeah. And we don't say any of this is like three people have gotten it all together. Like <coughs> you and Chelsea are figuring out how you want to meet right. that biblical like mandate. We're figuring it's out. It's taken us years it's... to figure out how same. are we going to do this? Like... Same. And it's, I think that, but again, it gets to the intention of the heart and faithfulness isn't always sexy. It isn't always glamorous. It's just little decisions or little turn. It sometimes it starts with just the turning of the heart that says, this is something I should care about more. I'm going to think intentionally about how to make that look. Um, and I think you're absolutely right. It starts with the small things. It doesn't look like, well, from scratch, now we've got this like incredible homeless ministry. Probably won't get there overnight. But the fact that it moves from being something that feels like an extra thing to do yeah. into something that feel you feel compelled to do because you recognize the character of God in that, I think is more and more of what I want, I think, uh, reflects his character in the body at large. Amen. Well, that's all for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Um, as always, you can check us out at atthewell.podbean.com. We upload new episode, episodes every... I keep... What is it about the word episode that's killing me this today? <laughs> upload new episodes every other Monday on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook by searching Three Guys at the Well. And if you want even more content and would like to help this podcast grow, consider becoming a patron and head on over to patreon.com forward slash at the well for exciting bonus content. We'll talk to you soon here at the well.